Good afternoon and welcome back to the After Later podcast. I am your host, John Wessling. I hope you're having a... I say good afternoon. I don't... I, that's what it is for me now. It's a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I don't know when you are. That's what I love about podcasts. It's kind of the, 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 the whole story behind the name of the podcast is After Later. You can listen to this whenever and then after that or, or never. <laughs> but I appreciate that you did and I appreciate that you have... We're in the middle of two for Tuesday here on After Later because I took Monday off, which was a very important self-care day. Just had to chill and uh, mow my yard, get some rest. But now I'm back with a vengeance. The weather's beautiful. I got to get outside. You can hear my family uh, hanging out. Uh, Fun day here around the house. They are uh, watching cats, the new cats. Uh, uh, Normally in a regular kind of world, I mean, I'll, I'll watch musicals with the family, but this wouldn't be one that I would want to watch. This isn't, this isn't a, you know my cup of tea, as it were. But uh, we're going to run out of things to watch here in the next couple of months. Everyone is voraciously consuming media, uh, TV, uh, streaming services, and they're not making new stuff right now because the new stuff is basically what I'm doing now. It's what other people are doing at home on webcams. But all the heavily produced stuff is shut down. So even if they turn the lights on the earliest, at some point, we're going to have a three to six month gap where there's going to be a whole lot less of the new stuff that we like. So you're going to wind up having to watch everything. <laughs> you're going to be starving for new, uh, new content. So you're going to watch things you normally wouldn't watch. So later, yeah, yeah, I am going to watch Cats. I want to see it. I want to see what Taylor Swift looks like as a weirdly realistic cat. It's creepy. What I did read and what has got me interested to watch this thing, actually, is that uh, evidently an early version of the film that they put to testers uh, had the buttholes on the cats. The cats had the buttholes like all cats. I got a cat laying next to me right now. I can see his butthole because he's a cat. Their buttholes are just public. That's just how it is. And I guess evidently they they made the cats that way in, in the movie Cats. Uh, but then the test market or the executives or just basically the first person that saw it said, oh my God, that's horrible and disgusting. You got to get rid of that. So they changed it. Now they don't They don't have visible buttholes uh, in, in the current version, the actual released version. But that tells me that somewhere there is that footage. There is that cats with buttholes. And that I want to watch. That I, I must see. I will find it. As we mine for new material to, to consume in the next few months. After I've watched all of my friends' live streams, after I've listened to everyone's albums and everyone's podcasts, I will begin the dive into the deep, dark web to find cats with buttholes. It's hard to search for because it's it's a common search, you would be surprised to hear, uh, that will lead you down a K-hole of things you actually don't want to see to get to the one you do. But, uh, you know, be brave. Fear not. What am I talking about? I don't even know, man. I'm losing my mind a little bit. I'm going cabin crazy. I needed to reach out to some some close friends in the last couple of days to, I don't know, find my center again, recenter up. And uh, I did. So today, my second conversation of the day is with one of my dearest friends. So I've known this guy for over 20 years. I did the uh, massive Hellgig America 50 shows, 50 states of 50 days tour. It was uh, me, Tommy Drake, and this person who joins us today. Uh, there's no way to encapsulate an introduction for Chuck that would that would be brief. You know what I mean? He's done a little bit of everything along the way. 
He's been a comedian. He's a musician many times over. A race car driver. Just pretty much a Texas man of mystery. Um, so hopefully you'll enjoy this conversation and get to know the one that I know as Chuck Savage. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you now one of my favorite people on the planet Earth and uh, a man I'm proud to call a friend, Chuck Savage, ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Savage. Hang on just one second there. Before I put Chuck Savage on the phone, my name's Jack Chuck's Kickoff. I'm here to make sure we've got the rules laid out here clearly before I put my man on the phone. I'm his manager. Make sure <laughs> you're clear what's going on. I'm here to make sure we're clear on all these legalities, if you will. Jack Chuck's Kickoff. Thank you very much, Jack. Can I, uh, <laughs> folks? I'm just going to warn you right now. This episode, this is part two of Two for Tuesday, by the way. So I'm a little loopy already. Um, it's going to be rife and full of inside jokes that are going to be very difficult to explain, and that's fine. We're just going to go with it. We're just going to roll with it. It's Jack Chuckshakoff, and you're supposed to ask me how do you spell that, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Right. Hey, how do you spell that? Just like it sounds, Jack Chuck's cockoff. Okay, now <laughs> let's go on. Keep if moving. Want, if you want to book Chuck Savage, you have to reach out to Jack Chuck's cockoff. <laughs> okay, I'm putting him on the phone now. Okay, hang on. What the hell is that all about? I don't know. Get that guy out of here. Get that guy to my house. I'm quarantined. God damn it. Okay, hi. How's it going, man? How are you, sir? Yeah, if there's anyone you want to uh, practice social distancing from, it's Jack Chuckskakoff. I tell you what. Whew, boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chuck, how are you Six doing? foot rule, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, easy, easy killer. Easy killer. Okay, go ahead. More than that. <laughs> yeah. How are you handling life in the quarantine? You going stir crazy? I'm working from home. Yeah. Johnny, I'm working from home. Yeah, I am. It's uh, it's pretty crazy, you know. Uh. I see uh, you've been working from home too, you know, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's kind of weird, you know, I mean, you know, my wife's working from home too, although, uh, you know, Brandy, she, uh, she, um, she started back working this week already, like Monday and Tuesday only to like help relieve some other guys that have been working. She's sort of essential. I don't know how you, they're saying everybody's essential nowadays. So Of course, everybody, everybody's a hero. I don't know. I don't know. Every job is a hero. We're all first responders. I'm kind of pissed yeah. off she had to go to work because now she goes here, gets sick, comes home and gets me sick. I die. You know, she's going to really hate that. You know, yeah, she's not going to feel bad about that. For about she's a minute. For about a pain. minute. For about a yeah. minute. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, whatever. Well, I mean, is that, a, is that a, you feel like that's a, like a weird, stressful kind of situation though, right? For real. It's like she's going in somewhere, coming back. It's a little creepy, right? exactly dude i mean you know as you know i'm older than you are young man and the thing is and the point is that you know we've never seen this in our lifetimes ever i mean this is some freaky shit you know so i don't know, you know? i wish we could smell it i wish we could smell it like a fart <laughs> yeah. well because then you know to it like oh, oh it's kind of it's over in that area you'd be able to kind of avoid it's everywhere man it's everywhere yeah <laughs> i hear you <laughs> Like Kenneth used to say about rap music. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Who turned on the rap music? Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, well, uh, well, dude, you've been traveling so much for you know many many years now. How are you feeling getting a little bit of a, a forced break, even if it's I mean a break, even if it is forced? It's interesting, you know, because I, I go back and forth on it. You know, uh, I do travel a lot nowadays, as you know, John. I've always worked on both sides of the microphone, right. stage, whatever you know, in production. And I got myself in a situation where I do a lot of uh, live stream production, live live stream events. And uh, I, I travel around doing that. And I work with this cool company. And I work around the globe and everything, doing events and different stuff. And I do a lot of video conferencing for them as well, Unified Communications. So all this stuff that right now people are relying on, my company's been kind of at the front of the tip of the spear, if you will, five years ahead of it. So our company just kind of, transitioned right across into that kind of stuff kind of boring for this podcast i realize but you know it's not i'm, it's I'm not just saying it, it's kind of like that's what i i do and it's like we're, we're all kind of walking around kind of going ah, look at us you know hey you know rubbing our fingernails on our chest if you will whatever you call that you know <laughs> what you call that particular expression I don't know what you would call it. yeah I, but i don't know anyone runs their fingernails across their chest They're like no you know what i'm saying you blow on your fingernails and go ha oh, you know hog you're polishing oh, your nails yeah. polishing your nails on your on your lapels if you will I that's got, what i'm trying to oh that's the old uh, millionaire ted dibiase the wrestler thank you thank you right? thank you I, that's not where i was going but sure i'll run with you with that i know ted dibiase well that's that's Didn't the know him but i know who you're talking he, about. yeah you know, sort of you know on the fingers and then you know yeah, polishing yeah. his manicure on the that's on the, the point of his tuxedo so the point is i work we're all walking around like ted dibiase is what i'm trying to tell you yes exactly you know I see that. so it's all working really well and that's kind of cool you know for well, what's the, what it I mean, is, you know. Is, is this any way uh, something like consumers can use, or is this like a Zoom thing, or is this just a company? Well, no, no, it's, it's more like it's more like our own internal. Uh, I work internally for this corporation and, and uh, make sure they can communicate amongst themselves. So I work in the internal IT department of that, providing that service within. So we've been doing it for several years, and it's oh, called Unified yeah. Communications. It encompasses, you know, live events, live streaming uh, events. Uh, uh conference room video conferencing etc cetera, etc cetera. pretty cool you know i got about basically everything that everyone's using now for everything right and i've got about 250 conference rooms around the world that are all tied to this one company and uh i make sure they can all just kind of walk in push a couple of buttons and start talking to each other you know uh, that's pretty cool that's pretty cool and, and i mean I, I haven't even really got a chance to even tell the listener everything that you do is you're a man of a you're a journeyman you've You've had a quite a life, man. I get to do some really cool shit and amazing jobs, amazing experiences. You've traveled the globe back and forth, left and right, up and down. But like you've been in Asia recently. Did you see this thing coming at all? Or how have you prepared? Are you worried that you picked up some of this shit along the way? <laughs> no. You got I, the antibodies. Huh? Last time I was even close to Asia, it was probably last uh I'll say last June, and I was in India. And uh I go to India usually two to three times a year and uh i mean i did up until about you know a few months ago and uh um you know i was in dubai in january uh you know i mean the world's a a smaller place and the more you see of it the more you start seeing it in a different perspective as far as like you know what we do locally here in the united states is just a piece of a very small piece of a bigger puzzle you know right and no, it's true. You, the perspective changes the more you travel, the more you. I mean it. I'm here to tell you, it really does. Yeah. It changes the way you come home. You know, when you yeah. get home, you see things different. And I kind of not. It's gonna sound like an asshole thing, but 
there's so many people that don't travel at all. I can't believe how many people, especially here in Texas where we live and where we're from, you got people that not only have they never gone anywhere, never been on a plane, they're like, like that's like they're proud of it. Like that's a, uh, like that's a badass thing. And that just sort of makes me sad for them. You have all, the, you have travel, like has never been possible in the history of mankind available to you now. And yet you choose to sit on your ass at home. Yeah. It's uh they basically just, they just stay in a, in a radius of about two HEB. <laughs> and then that's, that's the That's the circle of their world, man. I hear you. I hear you, brother. I hate, I'm so glad to get to talk to you, Chuck. God damn it. I mean, I was working on ships all the fucking time and you've been traveling the world working for that company. We've run into each other in airports more than we've got to hang out in. I did in run into you in the airport. That was funny in the smoking area out front before yeah. you go through security. That's really funny. That was a trip. That was a trip. And, it, and I think about it, before that, it'd been a good five, six years since I had seen you before that. Right. That was three years ago. And for those who don't, don't know, I'll just go ahead and tell the story. You know, at one point, Johnny and I traveled. We did 50 shows in 50 states in 50 days, along with Tommy Drake, Hell Gig America. 2005 mm-hmm. ran through from March through about the beginning of may i believe and uh yeah yeah right around my birthday and everything it was a whole crazy Your birthday's coming up next week isn't it yeah it comes up the end of the last day of april april 30th was my birthday and uh yeah you know so johnny and i've done a lot of traveling together obviously we have dude we, that was one of the most fun times i've ever had in my life well we were, we were really alive you know you look back on that oh, we yeah. were living right then you know what i mean <laughs> we were not jacking yeah, around dude. we were living <laughs> it was pretty we were living like a like an out of control truck with no brakes going down a hill what that, that's you know? living <laughs> that is that is how you're supposed to do it yep, right cheers yeah that was a cool that was a cool experience and that i think you know that doing that like even before that, we did the the fifty states and fifty days tour in two thousand five. I had spent several years as a as a working comic traveling a bunch, but not like that, right? Right. So that was that was an eye opening experience of, of getting to see everywhere in the country in a very short period of time, you know. And I think that broadened my map, you know. what I mean, that made me look at things in a bigger way. That made me kind of like I just inside our own country. I see people that, even though we're we're countrymen, we're of the same, you know, whatever, of the same culture, completely different, with completely different looks on life. Like them people up in Kentucky and everything, no offense, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? That little mountain yeah. place we played up in Kentucky, up in the mountains up there, at that hotel. Little holler folks. But I mean, that yep. was a different group of people than we played far, you know, and say you know, Southern California and Bakersfield or whatever, Dude, you know what I'm saying? You know, do you remember, do you remember the, uh, the, the casino in Colorado? <laughs> no. <laughs> Holy. Yeah. God. I mean, okay, Chris, yeah. Chris came out. Yeah, I do. Chris came out from, uh, Chris Lundgren came out. The guy that ran, uh, the, the Westward Ho up in North Dakota. Right. North Dakota. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think it was, they, they run together, but here's the deal. I'll tell the listeners. So, uh, when we did the 50 States and 50 days tour, a lot of the gigs that we made, we're for low money or no money, or please don't charge us too much money, right? Only 30 and, of, the, of the 50 were booked when we left. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. So we're on the fly calling. Things are falling out. We're scrambling. There's, there's high drama going on along the way. But the one deal we had that was really, really cool, we thought it was going to be such a cool little reality TV, reality TV kind of moment, was the casino up in the top of the fucking mountains, uh, in Colorado, this is like a mile and a half up in the air. It is high altitude, and we're 41 or 42 days deep into this trip. 
that we've been driving all over the lower continental United States, right? So here's the deal. We tell them we'll do this show, and the only payment, I can't remember how much money it was each that they gave each of us to sit at a blackjack table, and we just had to play one full shoe. So one full shoe of blackjack with, with whatever they staked us with. I think it was may have been 100 or $200 in chips each. It may have just been 100 Anyway... I tell you what, for my gamblers out there, it was the most amazing bloodbath in blackjack history. <laughs> they brought out the nuclear Eastern Bloc Olga-looking cooler bitch to come deal to us. And she was handing us rags, and she was popping 21s and 20s on the draw every <laughs> Sucked us dry. We, none of us none of us won a single hand most of the times we either busted or we got you know, uh, beat out by her drawing to a 21 just perfectly and like to the point where we all lost all our money there was no pay there was no joy to it it was it was us sitting there defeated like all right well i guess that's it i guess we just leave thanks and, and there were there here's a casino they're built on fucking people out of money it was so over the top and so fast and complete that even they were like hey sorry guys you know how these things go it was fair it was fair we shuffled it you saw (laughs) but holy shit that was brutal do you remember that now vaguely yes i do but i i know this i know how to play blackjack you know and i i kind of do remember them just beating the crap out of us and it was like come on you know they're they're just throwing us crap. I don't know. I, I vaguely do remember that. Yeah, sure. You got to remember, it Johnny. We were, we, we were in, where were we again? Colorado. Rocky Mountain yeah. High. Colorado. Yeah, no kidding. Sorry. Yeah, but it's in well, John Denver. 2005 was a completely different year than it was than 2020 is. Uh, first off, uh, it was pre-MySpace. So we didn't even have social media stuff to try to whip shit together online to get attention to these to these gigs and to these we had a blog post thing we were doing yeah we exactly we had a a blog and website but how the hell do you even tell people to go find it you know i mean we're like sending shit out in yahoo groups to people right so that that whole if you did it now if you did that trip you did that tour today with the just social media be different the world of social media it'd be completely different and you'd be able to create the the, the proper movement for it right so even though we had to be ahead of our time to be the first ones to do it, because we were the first ones in comedy to do 50 shows in 50 states, 50 days. Technically, you were, Chuck, because you went first at the last show. <laughs> you, Chuck, there you go. are the real champion. You are the one. Dun, dun, dun. I am only the, I'm, I'm the third man ever to perform in 50 shows in 50 states in 50 days. You nailed it. You That's funny. Got it. You're the fucking, you are the, the, the Neil Armstrong of the Hell Gig America tour. <laughs> but, also think we had what three cameras total, I believe, on this trip, and it was just the three of us, and then whatever friend we had kind of ride with us for a week or a few days at a time with us, right? So we had three cameras. One was good, and the other two were just little consumer mini DV cheapo cams. If you did that today with GoPros and fucking even just camera phones are 10 times better than anything we had at yep. the time. You could live stream it. You can live stream from the car with fucking 4G. I mean, it's complete. We should, yeah, fuck it. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. <laughs> this fucking plague blows over. Uh, let's go. Let's, I'll, t- I'll let's take a little time off work. Post- I just have a little time off work. You know, 
I need yeah. 50 days off work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's about like, 32 because of weekends, you know, but hey, yeah, you know, whatever, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah man. That would be yeah, funny. That actually be funny to go and do that and then cut the two together into a a, a really weird documentary. Oh, I've thought about that. Really like it. I've thought about that. You familiar with that? Now, you know. That 7-Up oh, documentary? Sorry. You know about the little kids who were 7 and 14 and 21. They kept interviewing them all the way till they were like in their 60s and 70s. Started in, in oh, six, I'd heard something about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Same kind of thing, you know. We do it every, thir- how many years has it been? <laughs> 15 years? Do it again. Every 15 years we do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how many. We'll get three or four. We'll get three or four many jobs. <laughs> That's funny. You know what? If we do it now and then the next 15 years, that one will just be teleporting and driverless cars. And we'll be on life support. They'll just be wheeling, or, or we'll be we'll be the heads in jars, like in Futurama. Well, in the words of Danny Rios, imitating the Saint Clown Posse, that's fucking dumb. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 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 uh, it's going to take forever for me to explain who all these people are to the, to, to my twenty five listeners. Hey, it's all right, man. You know, twenty five. Pretty soon, now, that's twenty six. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, actually. <laughs> We might slide. Yeah, it could be twenty-two in a minute. Here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, two of them. Fucking two of them just dumb? unsubscribed. <laughs> fucking dumb. I think it's fucking dumb. But uh, now, Chuck, you, as well as your your history in comedy and the, the friendship that we uh, you know all had hanging out at the last stop. Of course, you got you played bass for the legendary Mitch Hedberg in his uh, on his album Strategic Grill Locations, right? And you toured extensively with Mitch, so you're you. You, you've got yourself a nice little footnote in comedy, comedy history. <laughs> That's an inside joke, too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because because <laughs> I've told you that in the past, you know, is that that's part of the reason I was able, I was okay with kind of sliding out of comedy was because I do have a little footnote in comedy, you know, and that's, that's the way I, I reference it a lot of times, you know, is that I got to hang out with Mitch and work with Mitch, you know, and everybody knows that was cool. I mean, you know, it is what it is, you know, and uh, we had a lot of fun and, I would say, you know, you said tour extensively, you know, I look back on it, you know, and if you count up full weekends and everything, I probably did 50 to 60 shows across North America with Mitch over a two or three year span. You know, that's when you consider, you know, you do maybe six shows a weekend, you know, that's not extensive right. touring, but I did tour with the guy, you know what I mean? And it was really cool. Yeah. He, he gave me my first uh, chance as a, the first one of the first theater gigs we did was for Babbitt, and we did it at, in Madison, uh, Wisconsin, at a theater. It was a theater show, and there was no host, so he put me up there, let me host. So all of a sudden, I rock in here, and I'm hosting a theater show in Madison, Wisconsin, you know, and I'm, I'm barely a host, you know what I mean? I was just starting in comedy, but I was a bass player, you know, so I knew how to do that part, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, you know, on the road with Mitch and everything, and it was good times, you know. And it was that was and it was a cool it was like a cool little uh cultural wave that you guys were on you know i mean you i wouldn't downplay the the, the amount of shows you did with him my friend i was in support of the album it was a whole thing it was a whole part of his his particular yeah. uh, arc of expression i think and I, I get it like if i had something cool like that where i was like man and even when you get them early in your experience too i think you it's easy to go all right well, I can languish here for another 20 years and never top that. Or let's turn the chapter. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, I've told you, John, before, too. For me, stand-up comedy was just like being a lead singer, being a bass player, being a guitar player, you know. I wanted to go see if I could do it. 
and do it. I didn't want to be somebody to like go out there and say like, you know, uh, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a stand-up comic, you know, and I'd done it a couple open mic a couple of times, you know, I wanted to really sit, dig into the career. And I did it for about 11 years professionally. My last show I did was with uh, Danny and uh, Steve. We did that comedy blues thing we were doing for a while. And uh, I did one of those final shows there, you know, and that was good times, you know. Now, wait, you're not performing now, are you? Are you playing with any bands or doing any comedy? Or are you just no longer you know, on, on stage? You know, I'm not on stage. I'm actually doing some uh, several things musically right now that are kind of cool. One of them is uh, cool. I'm working with uh, one of the guys from the Missiles, my original band from when I was a kid. Uh, we've been friends and playing together for over 40 years. His name's Dave Randall. And uh, me and him and this guy named Eric Tucker, who was a drummer with Jesse Dayton for many years. And and then I got another drummer. And we've kind of got a little band. We play on the weekends. You know, it's you know those Viagra commercials where that those old men are playing in the garage, you know? <laughs> you know, yeah, saying, yeah, you know yeah. If you have a heart on, it lasts for more than four hours. Call a doctor. Screw that. Call a hooker. Anyhow, that uh, those commercials, you know, <laughs> those commercials right there are uh, – that's what the band is like. It's a bunch of old men just playing music, but we're, we're, we're all old professionals that used to play for money. So it's kind of like, it, it's a little bit different than, you know, guys whacking. I'd say you're, you're a pretty sharp garage band. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yes, you guys are tight with a good, we've sound. actually played a couple of gigs, you know, <laughs> like Mitch used to say, you know, people heard us. They said they, they really liked us. They really hated us. So they thought we were okay. Anyhow, <laughs> but, but no, uh, that's there's that, and then also I've been writing some music with one of my things about being a comedian or music, both of them is this, you know, you get to a point in your life, John, where you've written a lot of stuff, you know, and I've written a lot of stuff musically, and and uh -huh. you know I whacked away at writing comedy, and that's one of the reasons I left because it's such a writing exercise every day, like Andy Huggins, what a monster, you know. That guy, Ooh, you know what I'm I saying? Know. What discipline example for all these kids out there trying to whack away at comedy? Watch that guy. You know, you got to do that. That out. It's a writing exercise, you know. And with music, I did a lot of writing before I ever started writing comedy. And the point is, you run out of things to say. And that's what kind of happens to me, both in comedy and music. It's like I don't really have anything else to say. You know, I start writing these songs, I start listening to them. Man. That song sounds just like the last song I just wrote, you know? It's just like you're writing, you're retreading right. the same thing. And so what I've been doing lately is I've got friends that are also in quarantine. <laughs> and uh, actually, I actually started this before the quarantine yeah. stuff. But I have a couple of different friends that are in quarantine. And they uh, they write songs and give me the lyrics. I take the lyrics and I put them to music. And I, I write the music for them. And, you know, our friend uh, Theo, uh, St. Yeah. Lenny Bruce, whatever you want to call it, you know? Uh, her little handle, you right. know, if you will. Well, uh, she she and I have done two or three songs together. And then I have a friend named uh, Mike Coronado. We all call him Corn. <laughs> but uh, Corn uh, Corn and I are writing some songs together right now. So uh, I've got some friends that I'm kind of doing that with. Collabing, rocking away at it like you see. But again, it's all for me at this point. You know, John, you know, <laughs> I'm an old man now. I got grandkids floating around out there. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Oh, crazy? And, and crazy. Nowadays, I compile these songs. I write songs. And I tell people all the time, you know, you see people sitting in a room in a sunroom with a canvas and they're whacking away with some oil paints, you know, on a canvas, you know, like like yeah. Bob Ross, you know, God bless him. Well, of course, have trees, have have trees. accidents, you know. Well, 
For me, I do the same thing. I make happy accidents. I just write on an audio palette, like in GarageBand or in, in uh, something like that on, uh, on a Mac, you know, and just mm -hmm. make music and write songs. And the whole point for this point for me is that at the end of it, these things will be my kids, you know, my grandkids will find stumble on this stuff and go, hey, that was our grandfather. He was a weird motherfucker. That was a weird guy. That was a weird guy. Yeah. Listen to all this shit he has. Listen to all this. That guy was weird, you know. I think that's that's really cool, and I think that'll mean a lot to him because I mean you got people now who are like, "Wow, I I found an old uh, you know re recording of my mom on a voicemail," and they just oh, it blows their mind, or they you know if they've got old pictures. But digital age, you get to actually compile some some heavy shit for your 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 you know kids and grandkids. Yeah, to listen yeah, to. and that's what I'm doing. That's that's at this day and age, you know, I'm not trying to whack away and get a record deal. <laughs> You know, but, you know, there was a point in my life I was, you know, and it, yeah. Ahead, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, would you say, is this been stuff that you've been working on for the last couple of years? Or do you think that the quarantine and sort of lockdown because of, you know, the plague and whatnot, did that kind of, well, for lack of a better term, give you something to say? Something well, to say? you know, I mean, it's funny. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I thought about some of this stuff before I got on the phone here with you, you know, recording all this stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, you say, do I have something to say? I'd go back to the comedy side of it. When you start looking at the comedy side of it, if you think about me, John, and you think about my act, I had a little wacky little act, you know, I perfected it over 10 years. It was like the Ron White thing where it was an act. And I started adding things oh, to yeah. it over the years Had rings around it. I've heard you give that analogy about Ron White's career before. And it's, Mine was very similar because I would just do the same yeah. act and I would just keep trying to build things around it. And I don't know. It's uh, nowadays <laughs> after the whole Me Too movement. I don't know if you remember my act, John, but uh, <laughs> it, 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 it about half of it would have gone yeah. out the window, you know, because it was basically about it was basically about smoking pot and banging <laughs> chicks. So the banging chicks part would be out the window and all I'd have left is the smoking pot part. And quite frankly, nowadays in my career, I don't really talk about that too much anymore because that was way back then, John. And not, Long time that ago, was a long time ago. This thing on, yeah, we're all talking all now. Yeah, exactly. All Nowadays, I just watch House and uh, read Tom Clancy novels. Good. <laughs> I think you'd have to go back to all your jokes about uh, quote unquote banging chicks and add a part where they were consenting. <laughs> you know, like me and this young lady, we, we sat down and we agreed to uh, we agreed to an exhaustive list of do's and don'ts. Yeah. And then we started banging. <laughs> Again, you know, I, I would have to rewrite my act. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, I've told you this before, too. People don't know this, but whatever. You know, Rodney Dangerfield had a wacky little career for a long time, whacking away at the comedy circuit. And then he left for 11 years and sold sighting and started writing those silly little one-liners and then came back. And that's when he became a big shot, big star. You know, And that's yeah. And that's no, you're absolutely right. Oh, are you? Oh, are you priest? Are you teasing the comeback? Of Absolutely Chuck not. I'm talking about Jerry Wayne. <laughs> Just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm oh. kidding. Come on, I'm kidding. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm being wacky. I'm being wacky. Oh, that's funny. No, no, no. That's good. That's good, man. Well, you're 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 a well-rounded artist, you know. And a lot of people may not know that about you. A lot of people may not know you, but a lot of people that do know you may not know that how well-rounded you are as far as that goes, man. You know, and 
uh, played just about every instrument you can pick up. You know, you've been a comic. You were a radio guy for a while. But, yeah, I talked to Brian Shannon last week. You used to work with Brian. You know Brian very well. The ticket. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's sorry. right. Before, exactly. It kind of bled together. There. It, it, it's so funny. Like we've all worked for the same radio entities at different points in the time. Chuck Savage, Rock One Hundred Three Seven. Tom Petty coming up. You just heard Blue oh. Oyster Cult and uh, yeah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that, Rock One Hundred Three Seven. That yeah, I tell you, I got I was basically in negotiations to have the morning show job. Really, after Walton Johnson or before Walton Johnson or what? Uh, would have been right before they changed gotcha. format entirely. So it was at the very end of the existence of Rock 1037. I won't say who because they're a nice guy and I don't want to throw them under the bus. But the other guy was the one who was the heavy who got offered the job and was bringing me on as yeah. a sidekick, right? And uh, I was already, like, it was a done deal. It was hired. We, I'm, I'm going back and forth talking about, you know, moving companies and working out the, you know, d- you know the deal points and the contract. And the heavy in the show basically counter offered what they offered him and went so far over the top with what they offered that they said, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to change the format of the station. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I watch a lot of Shark Tank. Can you imagine what you must say in a negotiation that makes them go, not only no to that, but no to, I'm going to go ahead and change our business entirely to to not do that. (laughs) That's playing hardball. Five good times over there at Rock 1037. And then if Rock 1037. Yeah. Well, you know what, Chucky? Let's take a quick little break for a second here. Let's stop down. Let's let the listeners, as I always say, load their bowls and check the perimeter. That's a killer idea. You know I'll I mean? be right back. Come. Oh, oh, take that, right? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's set the traps. And we'll be right back with more Chuck Savage cool. in just a second. And we're back. <laughs> oh, hey, Chuck. Sorry. No, I'm good. Come back too soon? I'm good. Do you need I'm a good. second? Okay. Uh, uh, while he is uh, – uh, you're doing the, the coronavirus self-test, right, Chuck? Oh, I was, I was over here doing <laughs> – excuse me, doing chin-ups. Yeah, Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. I got choked up doing chin-ups. That's good. That's good. I hope that's a dry cough. Oh, you, you hope yeah, it, you, actually, you hope it's a wet cough. <laughs> the dry cough. Yeah, so and, oh, and it good. was you're it right. was uh, wet right. with the uh, Bud Light. Hi there, how you doing? There? Good to see you. Oh, that's good. So you have to, uh, yeah, if you're coughing in public and people look at you, you have to produce the loogie to show everybody. <laughs> yeah. nope, Come on, easy, cough. get get back fine. there. They start poking you with sticks and, and throwing rocks at you and shit. Yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> oh shit! Well, Chuck, we can't wait to see you here at the Wesling House. I'm standing next to Sarah right now. You can't wait for you can't wait not, for Uncle Truck but, to make uh, an appearance at the house. So we, we were talking about Uncle F Truck all morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. We learned about rhyming this morning, Uncle F Truck. <laughs> I bet y'all did. I bet y'all did. <laughs> we do. We do not censor Why not? in the West. Why not? <laughs> yeah, it's too late now. There hey, happy birthday, by the way. Belated, you know, you just had a birthday, you know. Thank you. We got yours on the calendar sweet, for the end sweet. of the month. Yeah. We might not say anything That'll to work. you, but we'll think about you that day. Yeah. Hey, look, at yeah. look at this. <laughs> <laughs> look at there on the calendar. Uncle Chuck's birthday. Uh, All right, I got to get this ramen. Yeah. My mom's going to eat ramen here. All right. 
Now, for those listening at home, that's my wife, Sarah. She's the host of the Momming from the Apocalypse podcast and uh, Parental Misguided <laughs> with Beck and Sarah. I like it. I like it. That's pretty good, huh? That's, that, that's, how, that's what's happened now. Now that we're on uh, lockdown as well, Sarah's well, so activated look, her creative well, mode. Here's now. the question. Who's getting better ratings at this thing. point? Easy, well, easy killer. Just, road, you so, do you too. Know. I know you're sniffing around you in know. there, like those guys in that lawn cutting commercial where they're like, "You looked, and you're waiting, supposed to wait for me." Whatever. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. No, she her hey her Good. podcast is doing great. She's it's very. Good very for funny. her. Very, very funny. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. and we're clear. She's gone. She's she's on the other side of the, the house. Now, for the listeners, you may have heard us drop the secret phrase that pays Uncle F Truck. Because Chuck's not only Chuck Savage, he's Chuck hey, the Fuck Truck. I don't know what that. And that's stuck. Chuck the Fuck Truck. It's stuck, stuck. It's stuck at your house. It's stuck right? at your it's house for whatever reason. Oh, I did. For our house, it, it, it absolutely stuck. And uh, now our kids <laughs> refer to you as Chuck or Uncle Chuck the F truck or just Uncle F truck. And you know what? At least they remember me. And that's so important. It's so important to me. As it's one of the best things in my whole existence when it comes to my relationship with you and your family. I mean it. They remember me. You know, <laughs> I got lots of friends. Their kids are like, who is that? Old far- oh, yeah, that guy. He's yeah, he's always. Yeah. Yeah, that dude. Yeah, whatever. he's cool. Oh, the, there's another thing. I, you know, on the After Later podcast, Chuck, my goal is to find interesting and unique people and bring them to the listener. Oh. All 25 of them. And there's something that you have that is is like it's like something straight out of a country song. It's like something out of a an old American legend that you actually have a tattoo that has a tattoo on it. You have a tattoo inside a tattoo. You haven't got that laser removed. Uh, first off, I'm not, I'm, still, I'm not sure what you're talking about, which tattoo you're talking about. I have, like, I have tattoo. Well, don't you have the tattoo of a woman? Oh, I do have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's called Life Sucking Hope Dashing Dream Killer. <laughs> it turned my life into a swirling, sucking eddy of despair, but I'm not bitter. In repose. In, in repose. What was it? Hold on, wait. Write that. Life sucking what now? What it takes that down? Life, Life sucking, sucking hope dashing dream killer. Just leave it at that. Oh, okay, that might be the title <laughs> of the episode. Yeah. Yep. She's. A... Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be. Life sucking, hope dashing, there dream killer. There you go. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> man, this has been so much fun, dude. It's cool getting to talk to you, man. Now, how did you? What was your? We talked about your last time on stage, Chuck, as a, as a comic. But let's go back. I want to hear the story because I live up in your old neck of the woods. I live where you grew up. I'm up here in the woodlands area where where you, you know, walked around as a young man. Tell me about the young. The young life, the, the I, junior savage. What was it like? What was your first time ever? Well, since both your listeners people? probably are from the Houston area, I'll say that, uh, you know, they've probably driven mm-hmm. up 45. So when you drive up 45 there by the woodlands, there's that bowling alley on the right-hand side. Okay? You know where that bowling alley is? I know. Okay? And that's where, where the overpass goes over into the woodlands. Like the main entrance into you take that overpass into the woodlands and yep. fly over. It's all cool. Well, right underneath that overpass is a bowling alley. 
Okay, that bowling alley, behind that bowling alley is a big concrete drainage ditch about 10 feet deep, okay? And then behind that ditch are, is a fence line with houses. My house used to back up to that fence. And I, okay, okay. and I had two I pickets exactly out that. of that fence so I could crawl through that fence and be in that ditch. Well, that ditch is where all, everybody hung out and got high. All right, <laughs> it was in that ditch, basically, all right? <laughs> and so. <laughs> You're telling me that. The ditch behind Bolero. Well, not Bolero, behind the bowling alley. And there's a there's a furniture store there now. That used to be a movie theater where the furniture store is. And uh and uh that's that's right okay. there in that same shopping center where the bowling alley is. At the opposite end from the bowling alley is a furniture store. It used to be a movie theater and I and I tore tickets to that movie theater. That was my job in high school. And so I got to see movies for free, you know, and uh I, I uh and We'd sit in there. I watched North Dallas 40 every Sunday night with a friend of mine named Larry Gaston and a 12-pack of beer every Sunday night for like two months. I can recite, I can recite Dude, the movie, movie North Dallas great. 40 to you today. Like if we turn it on, I can just say the words as they're going to say them right before. Just to, I can just do it for, for hours. or Not hours, you know, but I mean for long stretches. Well, yeah. If you kept playing yeah, the right. movie, you would be there hours. Yeah. That's a great movie. That's uh, Nick Nolte as Nick, a wide receiver. Matt Davis as, as the quarterback. And if you know the story, it's actually based on the Cowboys. And so Matt Davis is playing um, Dandy Don Meredith. Nick Nolte's playing the guy that wrote the book that it's based on, who was a wide receiver. And then uh, the, the the real Christian right. quarterback, that's that's uh, Roger Staubach. And it goes, you know, and if you go, you, you can place all the characters with, with it, who they are. Because the North Dallas Bulls, it's the Cowboys, you know. They just have them, you know. They, but, yeah, that's yeah, that's the whole thing there. North Dallas 40, great movie. Yeah, what are we doing? Movie reviews here? Jeez. What, how would you take me down this road, John? What are we doing? Hey, dude, there's a lot of movie review podcasts. Maybe it's time to switch directions. Do you watch that might, that might, uh, Do you watch Bong Appetit? Do you watch Bong Appetit? Appetit? Uh, we do watch Bong episodes. Recently, I in the, in the last show. this last season, me? just this recent season, because they flipped the script a little bit, and now it's like Chopped. You've seen that? Yeah, yeah. It's like a contest. Yeah, it's like Chopped, but you got to infuse yeah. weed in with the food. Oh man, I was like, geez. Right. Now they finally got some television going in America. We live in today. Finally, you know? finally, I tell you, I get so pissed off, Chuck. That our state of Texas is so slow getting to the uh, the medical or the the recreational marijuana. I mean, they got it in Oklahoma now. Like you can go to Oklahoma and get a medical card. If they can do it in Oklahoma, you're telling me they can't John, do it in Texas? It drives me crazy. I know a guy. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, good. Oh, never mind. Hey, we'll be right back we're gonna there. take another break. Uh, <laughs> No, dude. North Dallas 40, a great movie. You know, do you remember sure. uh, White yep. Men Can't Jump? Wesley Snips. Wesley Snips. Movies. Yeah. Everybody's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Wesley Snips. Snips. Mr. Snips. Well, well there was, uh, uh, remember the Rosie Perez? Oh, yeah. She wanted to be on Jeopardy. And she and it happened to be all the categories of the weird right, shit right, she had right. happened to study already. I could see you get getting on Jeopardy. And it's going to be uh, famous bass players. Elvis Costello. Elvis, Elvis Costello lyrics. Uh, yeah, we talk, we do that in my house all the time. We talk about it. Uh, like we, we play a lot of trivia at my house. Don't ask me why, because because we're goofy like that. But 
We play, we play a lot of Jeopardy. In fact, I don't know if you've been watching, but me and Danny Martinez have both been complaining on Facebook that all these press conferences are messing up our Jeopardy recordings at 11.30 in the morning on Channel 13. You record it on your DVR, watch it later, and every time you turn it on, it's Trump standing there talking about, you know, take this hydrochlorine, you're going to love it. <laughs> Whatever, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Whatever, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't drive on it. But I like anyway, what Mungle said the high. other day on there, you know, 10 years from now, it's like, if you took your court you know because donald trump told you to you know call this number now you know that that's gonna be good that that was really good exactly yeah, yeah. i'm the texas hammer have you taken hydroxychloroquine did your penis detach from your body that's good stuff yeah 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 are you a man with transvaginal mess because of hydroxychloroquine Ooh, that one hurts to think about ow Ooh, yeah <laughs> Side effects include all last all, all, loss of all anal elasticity. <laughs> you have a butthole like a wizard sleeve. You need to call Jim Adler, the Texas lawyer. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> these are just That's for so us, different. right? <laughs> these are not for the show. This, yeah, exactly. We're just Good talking. Times. I don't even know. Good time. Hey, what? Uh, but I want to hear more about the your young your what? young musical career, you know, like when did you start when you, you okay so the the movie fades in you getting <laughs> high in a ditch behind a bowling alley and I work at the movie theater and I had a little band and uh, we played yeah. and my dad was dying of cancer my dad died of cancer when I was right after I graduated high school and I was eighteen but leading up to it they weren't around a lot when they were around he and I went around racing cars together so I was like a little race car driving dude in high school and. uh we had a lot of fun, like for two years, uh, my junior and senior year, driving race cars, and I drove one, and then he owned a couple that he had people drive for him that were a little bit bigger cars. Like we were the opening act for the Indy cars a lot, so we would tour around with the Indy car five hundred people, and we'd do the opening act race kind of thing, and it was really a lot of fun. No, is that that old cart race? No, it's, actually, this was uh, this was yeah, you mean cart like C A R T like the yeah, yeah, like Indy car racing was yeah. called back then. Yeah, and this was in 81, 82. It actually, it's really cool. My dad had a car that uh, we, we were called Sanders Racing, and my last name was Sanders back then, and then amazingly it turned into Savage when I got afraid of people calling me on the phone. And uh, But anyway, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we had this these cars, and, and so a Super V car would be like a Formula 3 car in Europe. So Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3, and Formula 4. So I was racing Formula 4 cars in the SCCA, and my dad was racing Formula 3 and Formula 2 cars, and they both those cars would either would be oftentimes race on their own circuits or be the opening act cars for the Indy cars. So we would travel around with them and get to see all the big race cars. We, we, one time we opened up for the, uh, the first time that uh, the Formula 1 cars came to the United States was in Detroit, and uh, it's like in 1980. And uh, they raced around the the Ren Center, the Renaissance Center downtown Detroit, and so that's where the pits were and everything. And we were the opening act, and so it's like we we were, had our full pit access. And Christy Brinkley, she was dating this guy. She was dating this guy named Oliver oh. Shandon from Moet Shandon, the the champagne. Moet. So he was a grandson of yeah. Shandon, oh. driving this Formula One car. And so I'm 17 years old. And I'm following Christy Brinkley around. She's walking around the pits taking pictures. I'm following her around taking pictures of her taking pictures of the pits. And so 
I followed her around all day oh, God. that day. And at the very end, she was laying on the concrete, just laying by the, on the floor, on the ground by her boyfriend's car. And I walked up and I took my camera and I was standing right over her, just looking right at her face. And I stomped on the ground, the concrete next to her. And she opened her eyes and took a picture. I said, thanks, thanks a lot. And I walked off like a creepy 17-year-old guy, you know, you know, like I would do, you know. Oh, of course, and, uh, of course. Yeah, for many years, yeah. And uh, my, my mom, I don't know, she lost that in a jacket that was Martinized or something. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, my God. You got to tell her. Uh, Ms. Brinkley, I'm, I'm going to be talking about yeah, exactly. this 40 years on a podcast. It's hard to explain what, what that is. Now. Point was, though, that's the kind of stuff I was doing as a 17, 18-year-old kid. I was kind of creepy kid, you know, just like doing that. Well, that that part might be a little creepy, but that also makes sense because I mean, dude, that's this is in the age of Porky's. All seventeen-year-old boys were were kind of and it was like boner hard on machines. Yeah, but the fact that it, you're it a race kind... car driver, hell, you're a race car driver. You're in a you're in a fire suit. You're looking all cool with the helmet. You're looking like the Stig walking around. She may and have then been like flash forward two you. years later. My dad has died. Um, my mom has run off with some dude. And I'm in an apartment with a wife and a kid and one on the way or not on the way yet, but on the way pretty soon. And, uh, and I'm working for some guys that used to work for my dad. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I started basically, uh, cruising around. I had a sound company. I, I had a big PA and I started like started selling that side of it. Like I said, you know, I worked both sides of the mic and, uh, started selling my PA and I realized I was doing sound for all these bands downtown like at a place called Cafe Mode, which was Power Tools later on, but that underground kind of club it used to be called Cafe Mode. And bands uh-huh. came through there like Soul Asylum. Uh, who else came through there? A DC3. I mean, some of these bands were like these, those bands that were going to pop later. Uh, there's another one, uh, Sonic Youth came through, you know, and, but these guys oh, yeah. were just That's starting huge. out. And I'm down there running Sound Farm for like, I'm bringing the whole fricking PA for like $175 a night. Okay. And me and another dude just trying to get some beans and weenies, you know what I mean? And just kind of feed the kids, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and pretty soon one guy said, Hey, listen, this is a nice little system you got here. These lights of yours, those are yours. He said, would you be willing to come here and bring two of those lights? I'd like, I don't know, 15 lights in the room, bring two of those lights and point them at a podium tomorrow. I'll give you $600. I was like, wait a minute. I'm bringing all this shit. You just want two of the lights for 600 bucks tomorrow to point them at a podium. And that's when I got into the business theater aspect of audiovisual and started realizing you can make a lot more money if you started working in the business side of it. And that's how I got into audiovisual. And, uh, the rest, the rest is history, and I know this sounds really wow. boring. This is really boring, go- stupid shit, you know. I mean, but you're asking me how it's I got to where I, what I do, and then the point is, I never went to school, did anything like that, because what you do now, like I do a lot of live video streaming and everything. You wouldn't learn that in school. I mean, you wouldn't learn it back when I was in school. You know, you just gotta get out there. It, I my sister's a oh, teacher, wow. and she talks about this a lot. You know, is that if kids have cell phones in their school in their class sometimes she'll go hey pull that cell phone out and check the answer he just gave and the kid will be like i don't have a cell phone he says shut up pull that cell phone out there i know you got one in there pull it out and check the answer because i want to teach you guys you have the access to this information at your fingertips and i want you to understand that too you know 
That's slick. Yeah, she, she's a nice ninja teacher. teacher. Ninja she, she's retired, right but she was a really ninja teacher, and uh, you know she's good like that. So yeah, whatever. Man, that's cool. Then no, I, I dig it. I like. I love hearing this part of the the, the story of Chuck. Man, you know, you, like I said, you're. The part of your life you were just discussing is kind of when things went from the the salad days to your had a life band called the country missiles song, for right? ten years that played this with the- all these frat parties and everything you know, and uh, we had a lot of fun in Houston playing around town. And at one point, our booking agent was also booking Fitzgerald, so we were opening every for every band that came through Fitzgerald. We could pick and choose who we wanted to open for. Had a lot of fun with doing that. And then uh, I don't know. After the missiles, my friend Darren Murphy from Trish and Darren. He called and said, hey, Jesse Dayton's looking for a bass player. Yeah. And I was looking for a new gig that was country, and it was kind of like Dwight Yoakam, kind of rock, but country. And it was the perfect gig. And, in fact, I had told some people six weeks before I got the call, I was like, that's the kind of gig I'm looking for, kind of rock, kind of country. We were watching him play with a band called uh, the Alamo Jets, which was half of the Wagoneers and, and Jesse and Brian Thomas, who later on played Steel with the Jesse Dayton band. That I became a part of for about 10 years. And then after that, in the middle of that, I started doing comedy. And then all of a sudden, I started hanging out with you guys. And then we did our stuff. And then I've told the whole story there. So there you go. There you go. You're caught and now, up there. Sorry. And now we're Sorry. all caught up. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, now there's one thing else I want to ask you about, Chuck, because uh, you may be the only person that I've had on the show yet and probably the only person I'll have on the show for a while that has a direct personal connection <laughs> to Willie Nelson. <laughs> I can't let you go. I can't end this discussion without some sort of uh, Willie Nelson anecdote. I have, tale. Do you I have, have two stories and they happen variety. both at the same time. So I'll tell them real fast. And don't be that. Take your time. Take do well, it. It's a podcast. We're not, they happened we're, at the same time. Break or nothing. Okay. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny because, well, I mean, I can just tell you that when I grew up, there was a movie called Honeysuckle Rose. And that was uh, the, it was the Willie Nelson band. It was Amy Irving and Slim Pickens is in it. And uh, mm-hmm. my, uh, whatever, we had this collection of, you know, VHS tapes like everybody. And, but it was when we first started having VHS tapes. So we had like mm-hmm. 10 of them. We, we had a big collection, you know, because when they very first came out. Yeah, yeah, right. And one of them we had was Honeysuckle Rose. And uh, so I watched that movie over and over and over, just fascinated by the fact you could watch a movie and stop and start it and back it up. And uh, you know, I was a kid. Believe me, <laughs> these kids it, today it's are so like, crazy, these guys are going, these kids that listen to this are going like, you know, that guy there, what did he, never used an air conditioner before? Whatever, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> Which is another story, <laughs> Billy Cochet, whatever. Um, where I'm at in this story, where I'm, t- where I'm at, help me out. Yeah, yeah, so, so. So I watched that movie for a long time. Well, playing with Jesse, we got to tour with with Willie for like two weeks straight. And I got to hang out with the band that was in the movie. It's the same people. Even because I was in my 30s now, all of a sudden I'm on tour with Willie Nelson doing like two or three weeks in these little small honky tonks all through East Texas and Central Texas. It was a little honky tonk tour he did. Dance hall. It was really cool, oh, and it was cool. like uh, we were the opening act every night, and we have dinner together with the band every night, and we get to talk to these people like B Spears. He's dead now. He was the bass player, and I mean, he had some of the funniest lines in the movie. He looks at Amy. He looks at everybody and says, "Who in here's got a college education?" And Amy ever goes, "I do." He goes, "Well, then get me a beer." 
<laughs> yeah, well, give me a beer. You know? And uh, and he has that's one of my favorite lines in the movie. And I would get him to say it to the point that I think he got sick of me by the end of the tour to ask him to say it over and over. You know, not really, but you know, we were hanging out and partying, and having fun. Uh, we got, got, but I got to meet all the people yeah. in the band that I'd met in that movie as a child. And then I'm in my 30s all of a sudden as a teenager, you know, and then all of a sudden in my 30s, I got to meet them all and talk to them and interact with them. And they were the same people because the movie really captured who they were, you know, because they just played themselves, you know. But that's the stories go like this. Jesse Dayton's making the movie, making his first record ever. And I'm a production assistant on it. And I sing backgrounds on one song is all I did on it. They brought in a full band, that bald headed guy that played drums for uh smashing pumpkins he originally was played for john mellencamp when he first came out his name's kenny aronoff great drummer oh, wow. he played drums this guy named steve bailey's long hair bass player out of california genius bass player super bass player he played bass on the record uh all these cats played i can't even name them all on the record doug som flaco Mena. Right. It's, it's, it was a big deal and it's i was a production assistant on it and uh so one night they've got, uh, and this is the guy I'm trying to think of his name, and I'm so stupid because fiddle player, Johnny Gimble, Johnny Gimble, legendary Johnny Gimble, playing fiddle, and they've got him running through a Marshall stack. They're recording Johnny Gimble playing on a song called Carmelita, I think. And they've got Johnny Gimble running through a Marshall stack. And, and Willie Nelson, it's lunchtime, and Willie Nelson has got his band coming in to rehearse from like 1 until 5, and we got to leave. So we were in the morning there recording Johnny Gimble before this rehearsal, catching him on through this Marshall stack. And so as production assistant, they put me at the door by the kitchen area to keep everybody from coming in because they were in the middle of recording. And they were going to wait till Willie got there. And then as soon as Willie got there, we'd stop. So I'm the guy that got stuck sitting in front of the door going, yeah, they're recording Johnny Gimble right now. And they're, they're almost done with him, you know. So everybody's hanging out. Willie comes walking in. And he looks around like, what the fuck are you guys all doing sitting in the kitchen? And they all look at me like I've told them to not come in. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, wait, I just, I'm just, t- Randall Jamal in there told me to tell everybody, you know. And Willie walks right, he walks right up to me and looks at me like, you gonna say something to me? And I looked at him like, hey, this is your house, brother. You go wherever you want to go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was my first crappy introduction to Willie Nelson. Okay, and uh, well, actually, that was my second one. And the first one I missed. So there's a guy named Bucky. I'm like, Bucky Meadows, the guitar player. He plays Lee on the song called uh, uh, uh-huh. "Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain," very famous Willie Nelson song. Well, in the middle of it, if you listen to the guitar mm-hmm. play, and all of a sudden it breaks into this jazz solo in the middle, where this guy's going. He's playing like that in the middle of the song, and uh, mm-hmm. that's Bucky Meadows playing that on that song, the famous thing. So Bucky oh, wow. was the caretaker. He lived on the property at the studio. He, there was these condos down there. And there were several people. Sean Colvin lived down in there. Bucky Meadows of there. These musicians lived at these little condos, oh, cool. like seven of them. They could live at these condos at the studio. And Bucky was the caretaker. He lived there. He had the keys. Willie could call him and say, hey, go unlock the studio. My friend wants to go in. Cool. Bucky would go unlock it. So I was talking to Bucky, and it, we were out there talking, and we were kind of hanging. Oh, wait, did I lose you, Chuck? Still there? Am I still there? Chuck, where'd you go? All right, hey, back up to uh, 
so yeah, you know, Bucky, Bucky Meadows, he would go in there the and door. he would unlock the door for Willie if he wanted to call him and say, hey, unlock the door for such and such wants to come in. You know, so we, I got to be friends with Bucky. Who knows what we were doing hanging out outside, <laughs> inside the studio. We were going outside, maybe hanging out. And I was hanging out there with Bucky who and knows? Brian Thomas, the steel player for Jesse's band, who I've spent many years on the road, a great friend of mine, a brother of the road of mine, you know, as you would understand. And, uh, and uh, so we start mm -hmm. talking and it, we realize, I'm telling them that my family's from, my mother's side of the family's from Cleveland, Texas. And my father, my grandfather's Pete Carter. He was the, sh the deputy sheriff in Cleveland. He goes, Bucky goes, well, I'm related to Pete Carter. I'm from there too. And I'd heard my sisters talking about my father, talking about Bucky Meadows being related to our family somehow. So he's given me all these details about how he's related to Pete Carter, who's my grandfather, but it kind of would have meant that my grandfather had been banging some other chick on the side or something. I don't know, you know? So, so I, I, I like, I mean, getting all these details and I run in the studio and I run in there and, uh, I'm on the phone with my sister and I'm going, she, she's going, yeah, Bucky Meadows. And, and, but we're not related to him. I think it was just a, it's a, it's a different, uh, Pete Carter. There was two Pete Carters in Cleveland. It was the other Pete Carter. It's what we finally figured out. And I was like, Oh, okay. After about 10 minutes on the phone, I go walking back out there. And I look at these two guys and they're just, you know, their eyes are lit up like freaking Christmas trees. And I'm like, Hey, what are y'all doing? He goes, Oh man, you missed it. I said, what? He goes, Will just drove up with the doobie. And we sat here and smoked a joint with Willie, and uh, yeah, he just drove off. And I'm like, "Son of a bitch!" And so, oh no! And so that is my not smoking weed away. with Willie Nelson story. Oh, that's, that's all I got. A lot of people have these smoking weed with oh, Willie Nelson stories. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I have a not smoking weed with Willie Nelson story. It's like, and. I, and I apologize. I apologize that to your is, listeners. I know it was quite a pilgrimage to get to the that breaks my heart. anticlimactic ending. However, that's... no, that that made it. That you kidding me? That set the tone perfectly for the for that story. It, it needed to feel like a crescendo well, it, with a it had one with a fart sure. noise instead of a crash. You know what I mean? Oh. Dude, you just stepped out at the wrong time. That bro, but I will a, say, I will say the times I've been life, around man. Willie, I've been around him a bunch of times where <laughs> I wasn't hanging I mean? out, you know, hey, Willie, I'm rubbing elbows with him. But, you know, he's a straight up dude. He's what you see is what you get. He's just an old man likes to play yeah. guitar and hang out and get high, you know. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Just for goddamn sure. Now, you may have missed that <laughs> chance to smoke weed with Willie, but I'm, oh, I have. I'm guessing that you have and been fact, high around Willie. In fact, you know, I will say this, this, that, you know, growing up as a kid together. in the 70s, and my older sisters were all hippies, and I would hear stories about the Willie Nelson 4th of July picket, picnic, and in my 30s, I was fortunate enough to play the Willie Nelson 4th of July picnic three different times. All three times was in Lukenbach, Texas, where it's supposed to be. It was like, it was just kind of all... It was from like I did it in ninety six, ninety seven, and ninety eight. I played all three of those years in a row, and uh, with the Jesse Dayton band. And God bless Jesse Dayton for offering me the opportunity That's to be awesome. able to do that. I've, and uh, it's for me, it was one of the coolest things because it was like the one. It's like that was one of the two things I always wanted to do. That one, and I always wanted to do the rodeo, the main stage. I never did the main stage of the rodeo. I've done the uh, a lot of side stages at the rodeo, but never the main stage. You know. That is cool, though, dude. That is cool. Once again, yet another footnote. They're going to call me Footnote Charlie. <laughs> You're piling up them foot, those feet notes. 
Footnote. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, man. Chuck, Extremely I, busy. I you got a lot Extremely to do. busy. You're busy man. I'm working from home, damn it. <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm not sure how you it's can work good. from home, but yep. as I long agree. as they're paying you to try, you know. Let's let's make let's make sure that when uh, all this clears, when they reopen the world, you we got to go Golf. get some Mexican food, chips and salsa, margaritas. I'm gonna tell you something. One of the best times I ever had in my life playing golf, golf was Absolutely. me, you, and Tommy playing that little par three place there in in the where is it in, in the Hollywood or in, in the Studio City. That was a that oh, was a Studio lot of City. fun. We had a real, yeah, we really had a lot my, of fun that, that, that day. And I really enjoyed that one. You know, so. We had to get back. We had to get back there and do it. And you know what? Tommy's off the boats for a while. I didn't get a chance uh, to say. I didn't get. Chance, I didn't get a chance to tell you. I watched you guys the other night I on, by the uh, time this on your podcast. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. I know you're trying to get out of here, but let me ask a couple of quick questions. Well, first off, how many people were in the audience? No, no, Y'all weren't up? exactly social distancing. You kind of were, but I don't know how that worked. I heard audience. I didn't see audience. I saw two camera shots. What was going on there exactly? There was there was uh, six uh, people in the audience, and then uh, the owner and his wife were kind of off on the side. There was basically it was three couples who had who you know had been uh, uh, quarantining together. So it's three it was three two top tables that were okay i like that you know one right front and then one to the left and one to the right so they were distance of each other yeah so and they were mic directly over hey wait wait directly we have a 10 hanging lapel mic looking kind of mics (laughs) no sorry go ahead (laughs) oh no hey hey trust me it, this was in Arkansas, and they—they're not officially make, they don't even officially recognize that this shit is even happening. You know what I mean? And where we were is the headquarters of Walmart, so they're doing everything they can to stay open so that people can keep Walmart open because Walmart shuts down. I mean, you may as well—you may as well just welcome martial law, brother. But uh, no, but it was we—I I made sure like it, it was important to me, and it was important to you know Sarah and the family too that that it was you know, safe that way. Otherwise probably wouldn't have done it, you know, but it was, a I trip. did. Was, unfortunately, when I, watching, when I man. saw that I was did missing it, I caught like the last five minutes of Tommy and then I caught your entire set and then I caught most of the Q and a and, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw it and it was, oh, cool. it was, uh, so it was fun, saw, man. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, like I said, I, I saw a bunch of your new material. I, I told you that, that whatever you were, you said, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, the ground shaking. What was it? Uh, I sent you a text that said it played well. Uh, yeah, you you said oh, something I about. Uh, I don't even know if I got that text. Uh, uh, it was like a. I'd never heard you do the joke before, but it was just basically you doing. Uh, uh, let's see here. You doing the. Uh, here it is, right here. Wait a minute. God damn it. <laughs> For the listener, this is this is what happens when I don't you get know. over forty and over fifty. You have to get back to hold on. What was that thing? Yeah, yeah, I, I see the picture, but I don't see referen- reference in a joke in the text. It was like you, well, you were sitting like in your chair and you did like a ground quake the on the inside of your belly yeah, or something. That rare. What's that one? What's that? Oh, <laughs> I don't even remember. Well, whatever I, it was, I, I, what I, I was trying to tell you was it played well it. on screen. <laughs> like they, they had that side shot going of you at the time when you did it. So what you did, 
and I thought it was a bit you did all the time. I didn't mm-hmm. know. It sounded like it, you know. And uh, it was something about uh, – it was like you had some kind of uh-huh. explosion in your belly or something. Like you went, and you did this ground quake inside of yourself. I can't remember what it was. And I even I, – I, I said that on, on here, but it's, I'm trying to find it, and it's – I can't see where I wrote it. Well, now I got to go back and watch it. Well, I'm trying to find it again. <laughs> I got to go back it. and see what you're, what uh, you're talking about. Yeah, sorry, man. Whatever. You know. Well, we'll figure it out later. There's no, there's no sorry. I, I, this has been a great talk, Chuck. We need to talk more often. That's my favorite part of this whole uh, you know, crazy bullshit that's going on is it's making people kind of get back in touch and slow down and reach out to old friends, man, and actually I like talk. it. And I just you know, and that's why I was saying, you know, like you were like, do you want to promote something? No, I'm not promoting anything. I'm making a record for my grandkids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's about it. You know. That's cool. Yeah, that'll be available on. Oh Arista yeah, don't get me wrong. You send me a letter. I'll, I'll send you something. I'll get you what what you need. I'll send you what you need. Everything, every, everything's That's for cool. sale. You know. What I, mean? I feel. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm feeling what you're dealing. <laughs> Good times. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to it, brother. I uh. uh I don't know. My best of brandy and Mexican food, margaritas, and golf are, are going to be day two of freedom. Day one is getting Seriously, the kids back. I want day you, John, two is really. uh, drunk great. to play golf. And thanks for doing this. And, and uh, you know, whatever. You know, it's great talking to too. you as always. And uh, yada, yada, yada. Whatever. Fuck off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Superlatives no. fall short. <laughs> yeah. <whatever. laughs> yeah. My thanks to Chuck Savage for joining me today on the After Later podcast. Uh, miss that dude. Get, miss getting to hang out with him. He's been traveling so damn much. I've been traveling so damn much. Our schedules never aligned, but they have now. But yet the fates are cruel and uh, keep us from being able to leave our houses. <laughs> and the weather is so perfect right now. This would be the best day to play golf. Oh, my God. Anyway, Chuck Savage, ladies and gentlemen. Real treat to get to talk to him. If you haven't uh, listened re-listened or if you haven't listened to you need to and if you have you need to re-listen to the classic comedy album mitch hedberg's strategic grill locations and you'll get to hear the the beautiful tones of chuck savage playing the upright bass throughout the entire thing he really kind of he didn't dive too deeply into that and and i can understand why i've had plenty of conversations with chuck and that's uh that's a tough one. That's a tough one. There's a lot of just sadness that goes with the loss of Mitch Hedberg and uh, how he went and how good he was and how good he could have been and just how how just just a great person he was. And if you knew Ch- if you knew uh, Mitch, you knew that. Um, and when we did Hell Gig, it was uh, it basically started a couple days after Mitch passed, and uh, it was a tough experience. We went by his his parents' house in. Uh, in uh, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, I believe it is. Uh, this would have been right about this time in 2005. So it was a good two weeks or more even after um, after Mitch had passed. And it was very difficult because we were supposed to basically do a couple of the shows on the Hell Gig tour with Mitch. And I, I want to say Minnesota was one of them. So there we are on a night that we should have been performing with Mitch. We instead went to his parents' house and talked to his mom and dad. And there was uh, there was the urn with Mitch on the on the uh, the mantle 
And that was just so bizarre. And it just reminds you, man, reminds you how life moves. Life moves quick and it ends in a hurry. And I don't know, just things to think about as you're taking things in stock during this uh, crazy COVID-19 <laughs> world pandemic lockdown. Uh, so get out there and enjoy yourself and do something productive and do something recuperative. Be nice to yourself. Be nice to the ones you love and the ones who love you back. All right. I'd love to have you on the after later podcast. I've got some great episodes coming up uh, in the next few days and next week, uh, but there's always room for more at the after later uh, podcast. If you're an interesting, unique person, and you want to talk, you have a story, you have an interesting perspective you'd like to share, I want to share it uh, to the world. Okay, hit me up on Twitter. That's at John Wessling, J-O-H-N-W-E-S-S-L-I-N-G. The show Twitter is After Later. It's A-F-T-E-R-L, number eight, letter E-R. Also, the After Later Facebook page is uh, at After Later Podcast. And my personal comedy Facebook page is John Wessling Official. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, yeah, if you want to buy my comedy album, Warm at First, it's called Warm at First. It's available on uh, 800-pound Gorilla Records. You can buy it. You can stream it. Uh, just look for it. You'll have no problem finding it just about anywhere and everywhere. Thanks to Scott Henry giving me $5 a month. Love you, Scott. You're a funny dude. Hope all, all is going well with your family up there in beautiful Kentucky. Uh, this was a fun two for Tuesday. I got more for you tomorrow. So until next time. Thank you for listening to After Later. I'm John Wessling. Goodbye.